I'll go get it. Hello, and welcome to our podcast, Digging Deep. I'm Roberta Walker. Michael Glassman and family are down in Mexico, so it'll just be me today. But both of us have been in the field for many years, and we're doing the podcast so we could share our experience. We've been through a lot as far as creating wonderful things and also having horrible mistakes um, and working through them. Not always our fault, but anyway, we've been through it, and we want to share with you what works and how to how to design your own garden and also how to people it with plants. So I'm here today and I'm going to talk about drawing in birds, bees, and butterflies. So it's really important. If you just have a lawn and some trees, you're not going to have much in the way of butterflies, birds, and bees. And we all know that bees are wonderful, honeybees, because they uh, pollinate. They, They drink the nectar from the flowers and they get all fuzzy with the pollen and then they go to your fruit trees and then that helps your fruit trees bloom. Without bees, we would have no fruit. So it's nice to have them around, nice little creatures. And the black bumblebees, even though they look menacing, kind of like Darth Vader, they're not. Just leave them alone. They're pollinating. And honestly, if you leave them alone, they'll leave you alone. So that's um, that's a story on bees. And butterflies, we love butterflies. I like to call them flutterbys. And um, you'll see the yellow and the monarchs coming through and, and others here and there. And they're wonderful as well, as well as other insects like, like dragonflies. And um, there's all kinds of healthy insects. There's nasty ones too, but you could plant uh, to avoid some of those, not all of them. And then there's the voids, the birds. It's so lovely to have the birds stop in. Unless, of course, they are eating all of your tomatoes or your blueberries or your fruit. But uh it's still nice to have them. The squirrels kind of take several bites of my pears and drop them down and make them useless, but not entirely useless because they're going into the compost. Anyway, so I'm a total plant nerd and I want to go over my favorite plants that attract butterflies and, and bees and birds. I'm going to start with the birds and I'm in Northern California, Sacramento. And so there's going to be different plants that work here versus um, back east, although it's summertime and most of them should work. So um, I'm going to start with agasash. People use different terms for that. It's a it's a beautiful perennial. It's also drought tolerant, and um, the birds love that. They also love hollyhocks. So I grow hollyhocks once in a while. They get ten feet tall, but they are so beautiful. So if you have a a nice wall that you could grow them in front of. It's it's really nice. They get they get thick and then they get full of seeds. So you can have them from year to year. Alstromeria. Obviously, we're going from A to Z. Alstromeria is a wonderful perennial and it's probably you'd say ubiquitous in flower arrangements because Alstromeria lasts so long. Whenever I Whenever I'm forced to buy flowers, if I don't have enough in my own garden, I buy Alstromeria because they just last so long. And they come in all different colors. And I grow them as well in my yard. Many different varieties, short, medium, tall. Birds love them. And another one is Anagazanthus. Anagazanthus. I always think that it's like 
saying if someone sneezes, gazintite and a gazanthus, which are kangaroo paws from Australia. Kangaroo paws are lovely. They come in different colors. They come in red, orange, pink. They come short. They come tall. And they're wonderful. And they really do look like kangaroo paws. Um, Aquilegia, which is columbine, those are here in the spring. Now, I once bought some black aquilegia thinking they're just beautiful. And now I can't get rid of them. I have them all over my yard. So certain varieties, I don't know if all of them do, but they're all over the place. Tuberosa. Uh, this is um, Asclepius. I can never say it really well, but it's butterfly weed. I'm going to spell it A-S-C-L-E-P-I-A-S. Asclepius. Tuberosa. That plant is also the common name butterfly weed. Now, that is the plant that draws the monarchs. I've heard a little bit, though, that you have to be careful because you won't, you don't want them staying around too long. They should um, work the nectar there and then move on to the places they need to go. All right, Centara. Um, I use Centara. Once you went, again, I planted it, and once you have it, you sort of have it all over the place, but it's lovely. I mean, if you want a spring garden, summer garden that's just full of flowers, make sure Centara is one of those. All right, uh, there's Cleome, um, Crocosmia. I have Crocosmia growing everywhere, again. Once you put it in, it travels. So, um, and it doesn't travel by the plant so much as its beautiful little seed heads after the flowers drop. But that too is is lovely. Um, and the birds love all of these. And they also foxglove. You wouldn't know it because foxglove digitalis is um, it's actually poisonous to us. Although they do use it for heart um, conditions. But if you're growing digitalis, foxglove, the birds love those as well. Those are mainly a spring bloomer here because it's just so bloody hot in the summer, hot and dry. Every time I've tried to use them, they look wonderful in the spring and then they seem to disappear, run for cover, you know, against uh, away from the heat. Hesperallo, red yucca. Now that's the opposite. They have long stems coming maybe three feet or taller with red flowers. The hummers love red, uh, red, well, it's called red yucca. That's a common name. And they're drought tolerant completely. I love to do a whole row of them because when they're blooming, they're fabulous. And when they're not, they're evergreen. Hookera, coral bells. I didn't even know that, that they would like something like that, but they do. And then um, red hot pokers. Oh, they adore. Hummingbirds love red hot pokers. They're also drought tolerant. You can get them yellow, orange, or a combination of yellow and orange, um, and they just love it. So often, when I create a drought tolerant landscape, and I do it all the time, you can imagine, we have no rain here in the summer in Sacramento, and we just got over a three-day spell of 113. I think the whole West Coast got hit by this huge heat wave. You can have a beautiful drought-tolerant landscape that could actually tolerate those hot temperatures. Red-hot poker is one. Yucca is another. There's so many plants that still are there to feed the birds. Now, um, a wonderful vine that the hummers love is trumpet vine, although it gets quite large and it needs a really sturdy trellis. I would do it out of metal. I wouldn't even use um, 
a wood trellis for that. And another vine that the burrs adore is um, Lonicera, which is honeysuckle. That too, rampant grower. So you've got to make sure it's not close to a tree because they'll both grow up your tree. They'll grow anywhere that they possibly can. There's also flowering maple, which is a butylon, beautiful shrub, absolutely lovely. They look like tiny hibiscus flowers. They're wonderful. Ceanothus, which is a Californian native, the birds love, and Circus, which is redbud. Now, we have a native redbud here, and there are other varieties as well. There's an eastern redbud, western redbud, and then there's hybrids, ruby falls and, and some of the other lovely ones. Flowering quince. I love flowering quince. People just think it's a normal shrub, evergreen shrub, in the times that they're not blooming. In the spring, they bloom and they have large canes filled with either red flowers or pink flowers. And if you cut the branches and put them in a vase with, um, you know, just a tall glass vase, vase vase, um, they're they're stunning. They're beautiful. So. Um, Consider that they are deciduous and that's the great part because when they drop their leaves in the spring You have these fabulous flowers and then of course the leaves come back in and they just look like a normal shrub Another plant I use it's not always so easy to find but it's called Korea It's Australian fuchsia. It is drought tolerant. It's evergreen and it has these long Waxy bells sometimes you can get them pink some white and I usually use the salmon colored ones I think it's a wonderful drought tolerant shrub and it blooms. Um, as well as Zauchenaria, another California fuchsia, another California native, California fuchsia, the hummers love it. But there is a word of caution it's a low growing plant, which means if you have lions and tigers and kitty cats hiding in the grass, um, it's danger for those little hummers. So you got to think about that. And then there are the other plants that we, you know, most people know about lavender, rosemary. These, these are things that the birds and the bees and the butterflies love. Um, bottle brush. I'm sure if you've ever been around a bottle brush with the red sticky flowers at certain times, it's just buzzing. The whole plant is shaking with the bees working that. I think they're beautiful. I like to put them in a place where um, you know, you're not walking right under them or around them. Of course, I have them right by my garbage, so I walk under them all the time. But it's been there since I've owned the house, which is many, many years. So I think it's beautiful. So I keep that. So now we're going to go on. Well, there's ribes, there's lilac. I have a beautiful photo in the spring of the yellow butterfly, um, yellow with the black on it. Um, on on my lilac it's just so lovely and you know what lilac are drought tolerant believe it or not so you can have a garden like i said that changes through the seasons of course lilac for me it's late spring and then um, when they're done there's something else blooming so and then there's roses too the bees love roses and um things like juniper pine spruce the birds love those too oaks they love it Okay, so we're in Northern California here, even Southern California, we have these native indigenous oaks and um, they are home to so many different birds. And um, we have a lot of them here again and a lot of them being planted um, in, well, I've seen them even in the, the strips between the, um, the, the runways, not the runways, 
The streets, for goodness sakes, they are slow growing though and have deep tap roots. So if you're going to plant an oak, you better really consider where it's going to go because it's going to way outlast you and your the uh, everyone to come. They're old. They go old and they go very um, big. So also once the oaks get going, there's only certain things to grow under them because you don't want to put a lawn underneath them because they don't like all that water. Now, pineapple guava, if you haven't used that, that's, I call it Feoja, F-E-I-J-O-A. That's a lovely shrub or tree. And they have beautiful flowers that are edible and silver underneath their green leaves and they're evergreen and they are deer resistant. So you can actually have something that flowers that the deers don't decimate. Uh, there's also Arbutus, which is a strawberry tree. They're beautiful and they have these fruits that look like strawberries, but they don't taste like strawberries. In fact, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even put any of it near my mouth. And when they drop and you squish them, they're orange. So you want to make sure that they're not on a concrete, around concrete, or else you're going to have a complete mess. And so, um, Arctostaphylus, that's, um, that's something that they love. And Arctostaphylus can be, um, that's manzanita, by the way. It could be a ground cover. It could be a little shrub. And it could be a big tree as well. So um, that's wonderful. The hawthorn tree, the Cretaceous, that's um, a lover of birds. And birds love it. It also has these red berries that come in the fall and the winter. And the berries are edible. In fact, it's also something very good um, to drink as tea for our hearts, but you'd always want to check with your doctor before listening to Roberta Walker, who is merely a landscape designer and not, <laughs> not a doctor. So, but they're beautiful trees, hawthorn trees, because once the berries are done in the spring, you have white flowers to replace the berries and they're just wonderful. Pyrocanthus. Now everyone says, Oh, pyrocanthus will kill birds. They don't. It gets them a little drunk, but, they don't kill the birds. And they have these beautiful clusters of red berries. They also have quite large thorns. They come in orange, but um, pyrocanth is a great shield. If you don't, you know, if you want to keep people out of your, your yard, it's a, it's a great hedge because it's so pokey. Actually, it's dangerous. And, and I've seen them espalier brilliantly as well. So, um, so those are some of, the, um, some of the perennials and some of the shrubs. And of course, you know, the fruit trees, again, birds love them, but watch out. They love your fruit as well. And, um, oh gosh, I grow goldenrod. I call it solidago. Some people say solidago. Um, and that's something that uh, also will put itself all over your yard, as well as ligustrum, which is privet, which the only type of privet I use is called ligustrum sunshine. The other privets that people use as topiaries, they use as screening shrubs and as trees, they produce these berries that turn purpley black and the birds love them and yet they spit the juice all over in everything. It's really hard to get off if it goes on your car. And then those seeds, as they travel through the bird's digestive system and end up in your yard, you're going to have privet spout, sprouts everywhere. In fact, I'm always picking them out and I think of it as my Zen exercise because I know that I'll never get them all out. So it's just one of those exercises. I don't want to say it's futility because if you don't pull them out, you're going to have more trees there, which is not something that I recommend. 
Gaillardia uh, is blanket flower. I love that. And California poppies, the birds love. Um, all kinds of viburnum, all these things uh, birds just love. And they can also be um, foundation shrubs as well. Oh, the the butterfly I was talking about, by the way, is called swallowtail. I just saw a picture of it. So I'm going to segue from mainly bird plants now to the butterflies as well. So we already we already spoke about the um, Asclepius. <laughs> Sorry about my pronunciation. Achilla, yarrow. I love yarrow. It's one of my favorite uh, perennials. I love it because it comes in so many different colors. It's evergreen. It's also one of those healing herbs. It's named Achilla after Achilles, who had that cut on his heel. And when you do have cuts, you could actually put the greenery on it and it helps stitch it back together. Again, talk to your doctor first. I am a doctor in my own mind, not in the real world. Okay, the butterflies love hollyhocks as well. And they love asters. Asters are beautiful, purple, light purple, dark purple, all pink um, flowers, wonderful. And um, helianthus, which are sunflowers. Now, I have a garden at home. I have quite a large garden. But I have another um, garden in a community plot. I needed that like I needed a hole in my head because I'm so busy and then jumping between the two are not easy. However, I get it started in the spring and off it goes. Last year, I grew, uh, along with everything else, teddy bear sunflowers and other sunflowers. And lo and behold, they're back again because they dropped the seeds. And if you're going to grow the big, well, almost any of the sunflowers, but really the big head ones, if you let them go their term and then their heads sadly bow and they start getting bleached out looking, just leave them because what's happening is they're producing sunflower seeds. And when the plant is completely dry, you could cut the head off and leave like a foot or two of the plant. And then you could hang it upside down in one of your trees at home. And it's a bird feeder. It's a natural bird feeder. They love it. So those giant seed heads, they, they just absolutely love. The squirrels probably do too, but you could hang them from the trees. And let's see, uh, lupin, that's a spring, um, mallow, I love mallow, mimulus, sticky monkey flower, they love that, those are tubular, and they come in many different colors as well, and penstemon, birds and butterflies flies love penstemon, um, they come in different shapes, sizes, and colors, I love them, we have a native variety here, but I also use the hybrids, because they're just so beautiful, our native is called Marguerite B.O.P., and um, it's wonderful. I use it all the time. And Veronica Speedwell. That's another one that I've got all over my yard, but it is so beautiful. And I see it being sold in stores at the flowers, uh, you know, like Trader Joe's or other places where they're selling fresh flowers. And I think, I, I have, do I have Veronica? I've got a lot of Veronica. But again, it's just beautiful. Okay. So there we're going with the butterflies. Now, that, those are mainly the um, perennials, but butterflies also love shrubs. They love the ceanothus, which is, again, a California native, and lavatera, that's the tree mallow, plumbago. If you have not grown plumbago and you need room for it because it'll get about four or five feet wide, 
at least, and um, probably about four feet high with powder blue um, clusters of flowers. And they're just, they're just beautiful. Spirea. Now I use spirea, which is deciduous. And again, you can get dark green, but it also comes in these beautiful um, bright yellow leaf um, magic carpet and lime mound colors as well. And they have clusters of um, pink seed heads and their uh, flower heads. And they're just, they're beautiful. I use them in the landscape all the time. However, they are deciduous. And so let's see, cornice, dogwood, love that. Flowering crab apple, pines, plane trees, poplars. We can't grow those here. We're too low in the valley, but we certainly have them um, up in the foothills. And prunus, prunus is a massive, massive, uh, species of so many different plants from pears to flowering cherries to um, evergreen shrubs so you have to look that up but what they also are are great screening plants so again you can have a beautiful flowering garden that attracts these friends um, all year long even in blistering heat although I'm not sure about the winter I think they're kind of cuddling in on the trees so you want to have places for that as well um, there's a stilby, which is a, a beautiful, um, a beautiful plant. It's an, an well, it's an annual, but it's a perennial here where we are, and it has big plumes, like feathery plumes. They're beautiful, and they they do need a little bit of shade as well. And let's see, I am gonna head on. Oh, there's so many things: cosmos and dianthus and Russian sage and the lavenders. All these flowering plants. Um, the butterflies just love them. And of course, there's the famous bush that's named after them, butterfly bush, which is actually Budlea, B-U-D-D-L-E-A. And those come in different colors. And now, see, for so long, um, butterfly bush or the Budlea, they would grow to about 10, 12 feet high. And after a few years, it's like all the flowers are on the top. And down below, there's not much going on. But um, they now have... Lo and behold, I think it gets to six feet. They have one called Pugster, two or three feet. So now you can have these beauties that are um, lower down and full of flowers. So it's not all woody and then flowers. And they come in brilliant purpley and oh, pinkish purple colors as well. They're just gorgeous. And so that's the butterfly bush. That too is deciduous. Um, however, we're warming up and um, I don't know that it's going to be completely deciduous anymore. Just like my roses are kind of kind of not. They're there. They're not blooming, but they're there. They're, they're green. Um, okay, Sea Holly Nicotiana, which is flowering tobacco. If you've never grown that, and I'm not talking about the little ones in the six-pack, the hybrid, but the real uh, taller flowering tobacco, um, they come in different colors, and they have a beautiful scent. And, of course, that's what draws them, the butterflies. Oregano, um, the Perovska, like I said, is the Russian sage, phlox, um, all these are rosemary, these obviously the herbs they love, the black-eyed Susans and the salvias, so many different salvias. And um, you're just going to have your garden a flutter with all of these. So there are a lot more, but I've mentioned quite a bit. And I want to, because of the time, and I'm a plant nerd and I know I'm going on and on, I want to go to the, um, in particular, the bee the bee flowers. So um, ceanothus, like we said, agastache, 
Um, now, I once grew syrinth, um, and I had it everywhere, and then I dug up my garden so many times, I don't have it. But when I was in England, it's everywhere, and it's such a beautiful, beautiful little um, perennial. It's C-E-R-I-N-T-H-E, syrinth. And the, uh, the bees love it. They love the asters. They love borage. Now, borage is something that is in my garden all the time. It, it keeps coming, you know, comes back every year. And um, not only is it something that you can put in a tea, but Shakespeare said it was something that made the heart glad. And um, we always want our hearts to be glad, right? So um, that's a beautiful, um, although it's, it's a little, its fuzzies are a little pokey, but it has beautiful blue flowers and the, um, the bees are always working it out there in the garden. And let's see, Choija, Mexican orange. I don't use that very much because I can't get it <laughs> here. So, um, but the Choija plant, which is this, um, this lemon yellow color, produces white flowers that smell just like citrus, um, citrus flowers, which of course you know when the citrus um, bloom, boy, the bees love that as well. They also love uh, Coreopsis echinacea, which is the coneflower. Echinacea, that's the very same echinacea that you would use for colds, although you need to know how to prepare it. And I'm not going to tell you because, again, I'm not a doctor, although I know, but I've never pulled up my plants to do it, just so you know. Okay, there's also lavender, as we talked about, another herb. Um, spearmint, they love spearmint, but do not plant that in the ground. It will be everywhere and so hard to eradicate. So if you like mint, do it in a pot, do it in a half wine barrel. Just don't put it in the ground. Um, they like ice plant as well. And they like nepeta, which my cats like as well, because that's catnip. There's different kinds, but still, my cat will go out there, plop in it, and get high for a little while, which means he gets lazy, and then he comes back in. And um, rosemary, like I said, the black-eyed Susans, the salvias, the sedums. They like the sedums. They like stachys, which is lamb's ear. I love lamb's ear. They, too, come up with long, tall uh, purple flowers, and um, I cut them off and dry them. I like them. And then there's ground cover thyme. There's also the pride of Madeira. Madeira. Pride of Madeira, Echium. I love Echium as well. And there's mine bloom with maybe a foot and a half to two foot long blooms full of flowers. And the bees just love it. So, um, so there's a whole world of plants, trees, shrubs that will attract birds, butterflies, and bees, which are so healthy, not just for your garden, but for the planet. And I've been an advocate. I have been on the soapbox for so many years to create more drought-tolerant landscapes. And I'm pretty sure over the years I have dispelled the myth that a drought-tolerant landscape looks like a cactus Arizona landscape. It does not. Everything I've mentioned, just about everything, all these perennials, flowers, and shrubs, they make it here in the heat. They're on a drip system. Now, the difference is, is when you have sprays and you have lawn, you're using so much water and no one's coming to visit. None of the butterflies are coming for tea. None of the birds are stopping by. And um, this is something that you'd want, something that I love. I love to sit out, the yard, out in the yard and watch them. I have cats as well, so I'm, I'm careful about putting bird feeders everywhere. Um, because I, you know, 
that's entertainment for the cats and I don't want to go there. Anyway, I hope this has inspired you. And I do need to tell you that almost, well, actually everything I've been reading from is from the Sunset Western Garden book. And in the beginning, they have these chapters on specific plants. Because it's Sunset Western Garden, it doesn't mean that these don't grow in the east as well. These are perennials that grow all over. They just have a different season and they may be annual where it's perennial for us. But um, if you don't, it's, it's my plant Bible. It has been for years, a Sunset Western Garden. Not to mention I've had articles in the old Sunset Magazine when it was when it was the Sunset Magazine we knew and loved. Um, and um, I just think it's a wonderful resource. I also have a website, which is robertawalker.com. Michael Glassman has a website as well. And um, you can see a lot of different varieties of drought-tolerant landscapes. I, I do a little bit of everything on mine. You can see it on Michael's as well. And if you go to my blog, I have a list of my favorite drought-tolerant plants. And almost everything that I've spoken about are also on those lists. And you could go there and you could print it out and you'll, you'll have you'll have a guide um, to plant your own, not only drought tolerant, but bird, butterfly, and bee attracting plants. So there we go. I wish you happy gardening. And um, next week, Michael will be back. He may be speaking Spanish by that time. Who knows? Actually, I doubt it. I've been trying to learn Spanish since I was a kid, and I'm still, it's embarrassing. I can still make my way, but people, most of the guys on the cruise look at me like, what? What are you trying to say? Anyway, thank you for joining me. And um, you can also go to our Digging Deep website, which is diggingdeep.blueberry.net. And you could leave comments or ask questions. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you again. I'm Roberta Walker. And today I've been digging deep all by myself. <laughs>